Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk podcast. This is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to the series Summer Readings. This is going to go throughout the next many, many episodes. And I will refer to many of the books that I have read, I am still reading, and any new ones that I might come across. So, let's enjoy summer readings together and let God sober us, awaken us, prepare and mature us for the days in which we live, that we might, as many of those that we have revered and respected over the ages, that we too might fall into that category of person who simply loved the Father and obeyed Him and lived out Christ as life. Love you all, my friends. Here we go. Summer Readings 2023. All right, you might be able to hear the wonderful classical music in the background here in my hotel restaurant. I'm still here in Germany. Uh, Wynn and I fly out on Wednesday for Norway. And so we're here today still in Hereford, Inger, Germany area. And then tomorrow we head to Frankfurt. And then on Wednesday we fly out to Norway for the first cross encounter there and we are so proud to be doing that with our wonderful partner pastors out of Poland Wojtek and Ola Velaschik and they will meet us there in Oslo and together we will uh, see this uh, open door there into Norway so that's going to be great but today I want to continue reading out of Diedrich Bonhoeffer's classic book on Christian community Uh, The book is called Life Together. We're still in chapter one and uh, reading um, a little bit of a section there. And I'm already working on some folks that are going to be reading this with me, uh, some of my friends. Uh, So they will be uh, on in the next few episodes. So I hope that you'll uh, listen for that and watch for that But today, I want to pick up reading under the uh, heading in chapter 1 that says, Not an ideal, but a divine reality. And we'll see how far we get. Innumerable times, a whole Christian community has broken down because it had sprung from a wish dream. The serious Christian, set down for the first time in a Christian community, is likely to bring with him a very definite idea of what Christian life together should be and to try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, with ourselves. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. He does not abandon us to those rapturous experiences and lofty moods that come over us like a dream. God is not a God of the emotions, but the God of truth. 
Only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment with all its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight, begins to grasp in faith the promise that is given to it. The sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. A community which cannot bear and cannot survive such a crisis, which insists upon keeping its illusion when it should be shattered, permanently loses in that moment the promise of a Christian community. Sooner or later, it will collapse. Every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. Because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we entered into common life with them, we enter into that common life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. We thank God for what he has done for us. We thank God for giving us brethren who live by his call, by his forgiveness and his promise. We do not complain of what God does not give us. We rather thank God for what he does give us daily. And is not what has been given us enough? Brothers, who will go on living with us through sin and need under the blessing of his grace? Is the divine gift of Christian fellowship anything less than this? Any day, even the most difficult and distressing day? Even when sin and misunderstanding burden the communal life, is not the sinning brother still a brother with whom I too stand under the word of Christ? Will not his sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ? Thus the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes incomparably salutary because it is so thoroughly teaching me that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed, 
which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. When the morning mists of dreams vanish, then dawns the bright day of Christian fellowship. Now I'm going to close here for today's summer reading, but my friends, you must listen to this again. You, you must listen to the provoking simplicity within these words. How many times has fellowship been broken because we became disillusioned, because our own dream of what the body of Christ should be came crashing down? because we suddenly found out that somebody wasn't perfect. Now listen to me carefully. I'm not saying that there's not a place and time uh, for um, being separated out by God himself. There's a difference between separating and dividing. The enemy loves to divide, but God will separate us out if there is a body that is uh, knowingly Uh, abusive is knowingly narcissistic meaning on self and that it is building a man's kingdom and many of these other things so we have to be maturing enough to understand the nuance but my friends when we're just simply in the daily living out of what it means to be his and to be dependent upon him as our source and then learning what it means to be interdependent upon each other as the body of Christ was meant to be. You know, I've been saying this a lot lately is that because I really want to promote this is that I believe that especially the discipleship that we're doing and what it's breeding uh, and bringing forth uh, in people, right, is that there is a depth of fellowship that the, that the body of Christ oftentimes does not experience when we aren't really living this way of life, right, where we're getting free from our own flesh, so therefore if I know my own flesh can't do anything, I'm certainly not putting demands on yours, that if I know that I am who I am in Christ, therefore I cease comparing and contrasting myself coveting, envying, backstabbing, gossiping about others, and I begin to live in what personal obedience to Christ looks like for me. And that will begin to shift uh, the entire way the body of Christ functions if real discipleship is happening. We're not just where we gather together in small groups and fellowship and think, oh, this is great. You know, no, where we actually allow God to let us walk in the bond of Christ, that the only reason that we're together is because of him and for him and by him and in him. And that we begin to relate to one another as who each other really is in Christ. First of all, that means who, like if I'm relating to you, is who you are to him. I don't get to just do anything with you that I want, treat you any way I want, right? You belong to him. Whoa, wait just a minute. Right? And I belong to him, so therefore, right, the way you relate with me. And this becomes our habitual way of life, that we're learning of him from him. And we're not here trying to just, as Diedrich Bonhoeffer provokes us to think in the opening of today's reading, we're not just living according to our own wish dream. I have written in my book, because what I call it is a fantasy fellowship, where we come in and we've got our own ideas of what church should be. 
and therefore we start trying to create it according to that. No, God has a, a, a means and a way in which he means to raise up his sons, his, his bride, his body, his temple, and it will function as he has called for. Right. This is why what A.W. Tozer says is so important is that it's not that we're trying to get in tune with each other, but it's like having a tuning fork and 100 pianos and you get each piano in tune with that tuning fork. They will automatically be in tune with each other. So I'm not trying to get in tune with you. I'm in tune with the Father through the finished work of Jesus by the power and person of Holy Spirit. And then you are in tune with him. And God puts us in relationship and he does the tuning, right? He, he brings these things about supernaturally. We can't do that just by sitting around a table and deciding we all believe the same thing. Therefore, we now have, right? What actually oftentimes God is telling us to avoid is cliques and factions and divisions. Because that's where cliques are where I just hang with people I like that are like me. <laughs> right? And cliques and factions where, you know, this is our way, divisions where basically people fellowship based on usually what they don't like. So they all gather together and criticize somebody. And then that's what unifies them is their dislike of the pastor, their dislike of the vision. You know, so I don't want to get too deep into all this, but we've got to begin to, to read. Now, remember, these books that I'm reading, they're not the Bible. Right? We must go to the Word of God to test all of that. But it's a provoking reading that causes us to realize, rather than me criticizing everybody in the body of Christ and how they failed me and how disillusioned I am, it's like, wait a minute, why was I looking for some perfect utopian community in the first place? Could I, could I simply repent, have a deep metanoia moment, where I come out from under my own fantasy fellowship ideas, my own wish dream, and say, Father, forgive me for trying to fashion the body of Christ according to me, and let me yield to you and turn towards you and what you are doing and what you desire in the body of your son, the corporate son. And, and let me tell you, my friends, this is not going to happen overnight, you know. But this is why in the summer readings, this is going to be, it helps to start busting up some of the things where we have, you know, gone from one hope of utopia to another. And then we, we just constantly stay in the honeymoon period of, of every church we attend. And then as soon as the reality hits, we go, oh, you know, okay, let me move on. Right? It's like, wait just a minute. Father, what are you doing with me? Where are you placing me in the body of Christ? And you can rest assured wherever he places you, my friends, come on. This is going to happen. And I, I mean, it just is amazing to me when Bonhoeffer writes, you know, by God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely we must be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, with ourselves. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. <laughs> this is amazing. So often, God is trying to set us free, and we don't realize it. 
Why did I come in thinking everybody was going to be perfect? Why did I think I was the standard? Right? So this is where we allow him to awaken us. So we're going to stop here. I pray this is enough for you to think about today. And then in our next episode, I'm simply going to continue reading out of chapter 1. So I do love you all, but not because I think you're perfect. I love you because I've been loved by him. And I want to love you as God loves you, to see you as he sees you, not put demands upon you that I know I can't even keep myself. But I know that I can live as Christ, and so can you. And let's get on with the business of letting him really raise us and his life within us beginning to mature. Don't live on the rocks, my friends, the jagged edges of the rocks where your faith gets shipwrecked and you're there just split in pieces in the disillusionment. Disillusionment must come, but my friends, we don't remain there. We begin to come into the true reality of the body of Christ. Hmm? So let's come to him and let him deal with us as his own. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.